electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's essential morning show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod. The U.S. economy added 145,000 jobs in December, and the unemployment rate held steady at a 50-year low. The analysis from our experts goes way beyond the numbers. I would argue the Fed is probably the single biggest contributor to income inequality. Clowns and monkeys at Boeing? The damaging employee messages just released to investigators. There clearly was a problem, at least within certain groups, at the culture of Boeing. And show me the money. If those candidates are willing to stand up to their donors... That's the kind of integrity that most Americans want. We track the big bucks flowing into the 2020 presidential race. Who's donating to each candidate and what companies those donors work for. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Friday, January 10th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one. Cue please. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. First up today, Boeing has released hundreds of internal messages that detail employees mocking the FAA and others. In the embarrassing documents just released to investigators on Thursday, workers boasted about bullying regulators into approving the 737 MAX without requiring pilots to undergo training on simulators. One employee even writing, quote, I still haven't been forgiven by God for the covering up I did last year, apparently referring to an interaction with the FAA. And they also raised concerns about the 737 MAX, a plane currently grounded following two deadly crashes. In messages from 2017, one Boeing employee said, this airplane is designed by clowns who in turn are supervised by monkeys. Boeing says the messages don't represent the company we are and need to be. Boeing's former chairman, David Calhoun, officially starts his new job as CEO on Monday. I think the concern here is it's not a couple of errant emails right. that are flip on this. It's 100 pages you know, worth go- of emails. This goes to the whole culture of the company. Right. This goes back to the leadership of the company. Um, I know uh, that the former CEO is no longer in his role, but it also just seems to be a deep, Toxic may be the wrong word. I don't know what's going on. Well, it raises questions about the actual design of this plane from inside the company, too. There have been so many questions raised about why they're calling this a 737 when clearly it's a differently designed plane. Obviously, there were incentives around that to make sure that they could then in turn tell the airlines that they would not have to train their pilots on simulators. That's a big deal because... uh, Saves a lot of money. Right. Flip email and communications that people don't think will ever see the light of day are probably not representative that every company has a toxic culture. But in this case, you're talking about talking safety about and everything else. Safety. I think that if well, I know you are, but I know. People at a company who are making light of the safety. There's a complacency that sets in when there hasn't been a fatal crash in 10 years, but until the 737 MAX, and this was prior to that. So 
I, I, I mean, I'm not excusing it, but you're, sometimes I think, you, I don't know, you live in, a, in, in a, an idyllic world that, that doesn't exist. And you've, I know you engage in, some, I mean, not to the, my extent, but you probably engage in some internal communications you wouldn't want people to see at times, don't you? Sure, but I think that this is, is, is just... Well, and totally you, you would trace that all the way up to the CEO it's who's not monitoring his employees' totally attitudes. So Millenberg should have known he had some bad apples down, you know, out of his 300,000 employees. Hey, wait a second. I, I mean, I hope people oh, are. These were cri- these are critical employees. Well, there are many of them managing a relationship with our re- with our regulators. I, I, and how many of those were there? Probably there's a lot involved. I, I mean, what, it's bad. The bigger issue is that Keeps the House out. and there's, Senate oversight committees that that are responsible for this are showing some signs of outrage too, and that could change how the soon, dynamic how of what happens to the business I just think that back. There's in, in any company you could find stuff where you'd go, "Wow, this person is the bad news," or or at least this. But you know what? In reality, when you know those things, you're supposed to get rid of them. You're supposed to do stuff about it. And I don't think this was a company that did those things. Well, you've got a a view of Boeing that, uh, you know, that I don't think necessarily. Get rid of the emails or get rid of the people? No, get rid of the The people. people. And then the other question is. You're ready ready to, because of these. What exactly was happening? These internal emails, you're ready to to say the whole culture at Boeing is toxic and there's a problem. I'm saying there's clearly a problem at the culture. There clearly was a problem, at least within certain groups, at the culture of Boeing. If I read well, the Scott, story correctly... Don't, it's impossible to look at it any other way. If I read the story correctly, the company uncovered these in December, and that may right. have been before they actually fired the CEO, Dennis Mullenberg, and I wonder if right. this is what See, added to the that. The other question, by the way, though, but relating yeah. to the culture issue on that piece, how is it possible that it took them till December to find these emails? Meaning these people were slow-rolling this thing. It, it, the, the reason I, I, my frustration... Come, stems from the idea that when this first happened, and this goes to the questions that were asked of, of Mullenberg during the testimony and, and, and interviews, just the, you would have thought that when something like this, when, when a crash like this happened, that you would have been all over it, every la- trying to find every last thing you would have had. The pressure on everybody to even discover the emails would have been there. This is one of the great U.S. companies. Companies stumble at times. Whether you throw the entire culture of the company under the bus... Because of it, I just, I, I don't think, I think that's, that's a media, you know, sort of a house is not burning scenario, but I don't think you always can do that. I just don't. I, I mean, I think that in You're general. You're troubled by those emails in a meaningful no, way. No, yeah, no, I'm troubled by the individuals that, that wrote the emails. I'm not ready to say there's a toxic culture at Boeing. The FAA, um, with a new sheriff in town at the FAA, I think he is going to take this very seriously. If they ultimately decide that there's not a problem, then I think I would go along with that because he's oh, been very clear yeah, no, about no, saying, he's saying he's, that there's he's, no problem with the, with, with the safety of it. Yes, yes, but what I think that there's going to be a, a governance that. issue. I mean, these in general are incredible pieces of machinery. Incredible. Incredibly safe, incredible, you know, well-tested, well, well-manufactured, well-researched. The safety's done. Boeing over the years, I mean, the, the safety record is almost until these last two crashes. It's, it's one of the, the, the greatest companies that we have in this country. And, and it is, you know, it, it gives you 50,000 flights a day of almost flawless air travel, even with all the screw-ups and air travel and all the other stuff that goes on 100%. with it. Okay. Good. Then we can leave it like that. There's always some bad apples around out of, I don't know, how many hundred thousand employees. Okay. So don't, don't you know, don't close it down yet. Nobody's right. closing the company okay. down. Right. Nobody's closing right. the company down. Okay, don't. Somebody needs to take a real hard look at what's it's happening You don't here. think it's a hard look being, taking a hard look at it at this point? You think Boeing's getting put through the ringer at this January, point? I think the fact that we're in January 
after these crashes happened basically a year ago. And we're is that now, on your watch? We're still having this conversation. Your, your watch is blank. What are you looking I'm at? Looking at the, I'm looking at the time. The, you see January there or something? I do. It does anyway, let's go. He's got an Apple watch. It, does. it was blank. It's Jobs Friday again. The Labor Department released the number of American jobs lost or created in the last month of 2019, as well as the latest unemployment number. If you watch Squawk Box, you know that our coverage of the report spans the better part of an hour. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that we distill that hour into a few minutes of key content. To get the well-rounded analysis that you've surely come to expect from us here at Squawk, we ask a lot of different people with a lot of different opinions. Austin Goolsby, former CEA chairman and Booth School uh, professor. You've added a lot of insight. I hope you're just going to keep it on up and up today. Can I count on you for that? Let's in, do in, it, Joe. It's a it, new year. Let's turn over a new leaf. Let's do it. Black Rocks Kate Moore uh, is with us here on set. And guest host Jason Trenner. Jason, welcome. Be ready. Watch Austin. That's all I'm asking you. Just watch him. No, I may need to call you. Also on today's panel, American Enterprise Institute's Alex Brill and Steve Leisman, CNBC senior economics reporter. So here's what you need to know about today's report. In December of 2019, non-farm payrolls increased by 145,000, missing the 160,000 expectation. But the unemployment rate held steady at 3.5%, a 50-year low. Most of the jobs created were in retail and leisure and hospitality, but it was a rough report for the manufacturing sector. For all of 2019, manufacturing added only 46,000 jobs. That's compared with a job gain well over 250,000 for the year before. Austin Goolsby flagged this as a worrying sign. I think this number, it's going to make a bunch of people nervous because, like I say, you've got these two economies the consumer has been strong, but manufacturing has been in decline, and a lot of people feeling like they're already in recession. And since the manufacturing numbers are as negative as they are this month, and, you, and we just got the report that 40% of companies have moved into the red in terms of reporting their earnings, I think there's going to be some growing anxiety among some of the investors. Another metric of note, a slowdown in wage growth. Today revealed that average hourly earnings rose less than economists were expecting. This is typically a discouraging sign for the economy. But BlackRock's Kate Moore has a nuanced view. When we think about what's affecting companies, this is one of the most critical elements. What's happening to wages in a tighter labor market and what impact does that have on margins? You know, if we're not as getting as much wage pressure, let's say, into the back end of 2019, or at least a moderation of it, then perhaps some of the fourth quarter 2019, full year 2019 margin numbers are going to look okay. I'm going to be watching that really closely as companies report their full year so earnings. So you're looking at the lower than expected mm-hmm. rise in average hourly earnings as a good thing for, for margins, and that yeah. could be good news for stocks. It's maybe not a great thing for, for the employees. additional like consumer income growth, but right. it's not the world's worst thing for equity investors who've been really focused on a decline in margins and, and talking about when that might happen really over the last five years. Now, it's easy to get caught up in the numbers of each month's report. But with an election on the horizon, our panel of experts have political implications on the brain. Here's Jason Trenner. I agree with Kate, where you know, you're at 3.5% unemployment rate. You're still getting decent wage gains, uh, but they're, not, they're certainly not galloping What does that mean, forward. though, for the broader working population, and how does that play into the political sphere, given that we're coming up against an election? Except the good thing, when, though, I would say is real... inequality has reigned as, as a headline well, I, for the Democrats. I would argue the Fed... I, I would argue the Fed is probably the single biggest contributor to income inequality, and, um, and they may be the most responsible for 
President Trump being president. And I'm sure there's half, you know, there's probably a thousand people at the Fed that just fainted in exasperation <laughs> of me saying that. But uh, in my opinion, the, the, all of the liquidity that they've provided has largely wound up in financial assets. And the average person that just has a, a bank account has gotten kneecapped. Totally understand that argument. We've had it a lot of times yeah. since all of these actions first started taking place in 2008. But why do you think that that's the reason that Donald Trump is president? I think, uh, it, I think the policy mix that you had after the financial crisis, which was very easy money but tight financial regulation, greatly benefited wealthy people. M- more greatly benefited wealthy people than the average person. You- Austin, let me, let me bring you in just as somebody who was in the Obama White House when some of these decisions were being made by the Federal Reserve and others. From your economic perspective during this time, do you agree that that's what caused some of the inequality? I don't. My, my view, Becky, is that the, the right alternative to compare it to is if the recession were even deeper and even longer because the Fed was tighter in its monetary policy, would that be better for inequality? And I don't think it would. I do think there is a component that clearly the, the markets recovered faster than the, than the real economy recovered. Right. I just want to, want to respond to Jason that at least from the Fed's point of view, Tens of millions of people got lower mortgage rates. Tens of millions of people got lower credit card rates. Tens of millions of people uh, perhaps avoided a much deeper recession. Otherwise, would have let me, let me finish. Let me finish. And less joblessness and a lower hit, a less of a hit to their incomes because of what the Fed did in the context of a sclerotic Congress. Right that could not and did not act and was worried about deficits in a way they're not today, Jason. So I think the counterfactual weighs very heavily in this context. But Alex Brill is focused more on today's report than on the Fed as an indicator for this year's election. I don't put the uh, the electoral outcomes in the hands of the Federal Reserve Board. Um, I think that we need to think about the regional economies um, in ter- in, if we want to think about the role of economics in influencing um, election outcomes. We need to think, you know, we have an electoral college. We need to think about what's happening on the ground um, in the labor market. Um, in, uh, in, in key states. I think that the numbers that we saw today with a, a, a negative number um, uh, on manufacturing, um, a downward revision overall for the three-month average here, uh, small but, but not I- insignificant. Um, you know, when we, when we see in a couple of weeks what that means at the state level, I think we're going to see a little bit more softness um, in the economy, in those markets, and that's going to be uh, a, a little bit of a challenge uh, for our incumbent um, in terms of the economy. It's early, of course, but I don't think it's uh, that the that the metric that we want to be focusing on is is the Fed. I think we want to be looking at our, our our labor markets on the local and regional level. So that's it. Another Jobs Friday in the books. Next month, the first report of a new decade. But coming up next on Squawk Pod. The whole campaign finance system frustrates the American people. It's one of the most important reforms that people have prioritized. Tracking the big bucks flowing into the 2020 presidential race. Nothing surprises me except the hypocrisy. Why longtime presidential pollster Frank Luntz is fired up over the fund flows. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. 
Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross talking along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan in studio. Jason Trenner here, chairman of Strategus Research Partners. President Trump and the 2020 presidential candidates are hauling in big money. Uh, this year, a lot of focus is on small donations being given uh, to the president, senators Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, and Mayor Pete Buttigieg. And some interesting trends are emerging. Robert Frank following the money loves to do that follows money wherever it goes don't you i do especially where it gets to be big money (laughs) (laughs) we all try to be (laughs) good good morning joe well as you said small donors have been the biggest driver of campaign funds this election season but employees of certain industries and certain companies have clear favorites an analysis of fec data compiled by open secrets shows that president trump is by far the favorite among workers in the oil and gas industry pharmaceuticals Healthcare professionals and yes, the real estate industry. Lawyers favor Joe Biden. Elizabeth Warren gets the most money from the internet company employees, and Pete Buttigieg has the big lead at the big banks. Now, Bernie Sanders gets the most money from education employees. Cory Booker dominates donation of investment securities and hedge fund professionals, while the hands down favorite in entertainment and media was. Kamala Harris until, of course, she ended her campaign. Now, on a company-by-company basis, Bernie Sanders scores at the top of the list of dozens of big corporates, including Apple, GM, Tesla, Walmart, Boeing, Amazon. Pete Buttigieg leads giving among Facebook employees, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, and Pfizer, while Kamala Harris led employees at Comcast and Disney. Hmm. So some interesting industry and company trends. They're probably worth emphasizing again these are from the employees not from the correct correct and that's what makes it more interesting in a grassroots environment right Uh, for more on where employees at some of america's largest corporations are putting their money to support 2020 candidates we are now joined by pollster and political strategist frank luntz and frank what surprises you from what robert just reported well actually nothing surprises me except the hypocrisy it's okay to take money from employees but it's not okay to take money from PACs? What are political action committees but groups of employees banding together, collecting money, and giving a little bit more than what you could as an individual? So it's okay for these candidates. The the whole campaign finance system frustrates the American people. It's one of the most important reforms that people have prioritized. And this is a great example of, of that hypocrisy. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you could paint the giving from employees as a little more grassroots. They, they happen to be employees from there, but it's not like the company's rounding up the money and saying, give it to them, like a PAC would be. But a PAC isn't rounding up the money. A PAC is still collecting money from employees. And it's just, it gives you a little bit more dollars, a little bit more bang for the buck. Frank, when you, when you dive into these numbers and look at where employees are, are putting their money, are they, are they voting in their own interests as employees on behalf of their companies or not? Because some of the, the candidates that I see um, these individuals uh, supporting would seem uh, at loggerheads or, or almost antithetical to the interests of the companies themselves. They're not the fat cat CEO manager types. They're the employees. They don't... Uh... No, I understand that. But, for example, Still. if the Internet companies are supportive of Elizabeth Warren and Elizabeth Warren... We want to break up the companies that they work they don't, for. Look, they're, they're, those are the woke, no. millennial, 
okay. employees. I could interview you or we could interview Frank, but I wanted to try to understand because I imagine Frank has been he calling can tell you and that. talking tell you specifically to these individuals about why they're making these choices. Frank. Well, in some cases, they're making the choices because it's geographic. The reason why Cory Booker is collecting money from hedge funds is that he's a senator from New Jersey, and so he spends a lot of time on Wall Street. Uh, Mayor, Mayor Pete uh, Buttigieg, he's collecting money from investment banks because he worked for McKinsey, so it makes sense. But in other cases, I'm not surprised that Apple is donating as much money as it is to, uh, to Bernie Sanders or some of these tech companies because they're filled with younger voters, younger employees. This may be the first contribution to a presidential campaign, and younger people have just fallen in love with Bernie and fallen in love with, with Elizabeth Warren. Biden attracts an older donor because his vote base is older. And Donald Trump att- attracts a more business-oriented donor because his agenda is more business-oriented, and it's the people who he has known throughout his career. Can I, can I just ask the specific... I saw the, the list of the industries, but from a specific company point of view, where are the, where are the most donations coming from to the president? You- well... So a lot of it is in, in the oil and gas sector. It's interesting. The president doesn't list rank at the top of many lists, but he is often second or third in those lists for, for many companies, particularly in those industries I mentioned. But, for Frank, I have a question. We think about grassroots as not being corporate interests, but don't you think that Pete Buttigieg, for instance, would know that a lot of his individual contributions came from bank employees and so therefore would have more bank-friendly policy? Or Bernie Sanders, when well, we know he's for teachers anyway, but would, would owe something to the teachers and teachers' unions because of this, quote, grassroots money? Well, fair for Pete, there's a challenge because this is an embarrassment. This is something that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders will use against him that he's collecting money from the interests of corporations and an industry that the American people don't like. But let's give these candidates credit that they're willing to take the money, but it's not changing their vote. And that's what the public is so afraid of. The idea that these big donors, or in this case, the employees, could influence a candidate based on how much money they receive. If those candidates are willing to stand up to their donors... That's the kind of integrity that most Americans want. So actually, it's a good thing that they're willing to do this. Frank, it's good to see you. And Robert, thank you for bringing the story to us. Thanks, guys. Squawk Pod will be right back. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Meet Janice. Unfortunately, her thing is sneeze attacks every time spring returns. I literally sneezed 40 times in a row once. Luckily for Janice, at the Walmart Pharmacy, she can get over-the-counter allergy relief for things like sneezing, runny nose, and watery eyes, fast with online pickup or delivery. No more suffering? That's nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) I see what you did there. Help survive allergy season with fast online pickup or delivery from Walmart. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. We're back. Are you on Facebook? Joe's not. I'm not on Facebook. 
Mark Zuckerberg's stature for me has grown immensely over the past year, sticking to his guns to the point where I now like him as Mark Zuckerberg more than Jesse Eisenberg as Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) That's the show for today. On our rundown next week, phase one, is it a done deal? China's chief trade negotiator is headed to Washington. We'll have the latest in the trade saga. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. Squawk Pod is available for free wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you like Squawk Pod, give us a rating or review. It helps other listeners find our show. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Meet Janice. Unfortunately, her thing is sneeze attacks every time spring returns. I literally sneezed 40 times in a row once. Luckily for Janice, at the Walmart pharmacy, she can get over-the-counter allergy relief for things like sneezing, runny nose, and watery eyes, fast with online pickup or delivery. No more suffering? That's nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) I see what you did there. Help survive allergy season with fast online pickup or delivery from Walmart. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart.